Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Tyler Foley, who is an author and a film and stage performer. Tyler, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing really well. Great, man. It's good to have you, and we like to jump right in. So if you could start with just telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, what wasn't included in the quick intro, uh, I'm a father. I'm a husband, natural performer, author of the number one best-selling book, The Power to Speak Naked. I'm a seeker of warm beaches, a lover of fine chocolate. And uh, when I'm not working, I'm you know playing either on the drums or putting up the productions because performance is just in my blood. So I'm actually in the middle of producing a musical right now. So that tends to be fun. And then uh, just, just to mix things up a little bit uh, for my own physical health and mental well-being i also goaltend for ice hockey a couple of times a week and usually about four or five times a week i'm on the ice there we go dude talk about a full life so you are did you say you're writing a play right now uh no i'm producing so the play was written by a phenomenal playwright marin ord uh, she's a Juno-nominated singer-songwriter and uh, has put together a musical called... This is actually the third one that she's put together, and I've been helping her workshop even the fourth one that she has in mind, but this is the the third, so the senior uh, uh, production that she's done, and it's called The Gardener, and it's just absolutely phenomenal, and I have the privilege and joy of helping produce it and bring it to life. So uh, right now we're actually just in the midst of finishing up our final week of rehearsals. Then we go into tech week next week. And, uh, and then the play is live. We'll have a two week run to showcase it locally here as a bit of a community production, and then hopefully start workshopping it in, in larger venues. I gotcha. And so I'm curious uh, when you're the producer, is that like the money behind the show? Are you helping direct the show? How does this work? Uh, yeah, I am the what do you need? And I will make it happen guy. So um, and that's it's, it's a favorite thing for me to do just in general. I like being, uh, you know, of assistance in, in all aspects of my life. Uh, so the producer role is excellent. I am the find the money guy. I am not the I have the money guy. So uh, I'm technically the executive producer. So what I do is uh, Marin says, you know, I would love it if we could do this and I'm go great. How much would it cost? And she goes, I think about this. And then I go and find somebody who or I find a way to have that money show up, whether that's in the form of more ticket sales or sponsorship or, um, some kind of donation in kind. So we have a lot of things like our programs are being printed by a good friend of mine, Alex, and uh, he runs an amazing company called Spy Design and they do graphic printing of all kinds, including on vehicles. They do really cool vehicle wraps, but he um, he's going to print our programs. And so it's not going to cost us anything to have the programs printed, but we're going to put a big average, like he's going to splash his logo all over the back of the program. So 
over the course of, you know, two weeks, eight performances, and just over 2000 attendees, uh, everybody will see that spy design did it. So things like that, where that maybe we don't get actual money, but we get uh, assets of some sort to yeah. that help with it. You know, our costumes were donated, for example. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, awesome, man. Tell us a little bit more about what you do, what your day-to-day -day looks like. It seems like each day varies for you. <laughs> <laughs> it entirely does. It depends on the day on what hat I'm wearing. So um, when I'm not doing all of that, I run a company called Total Buy-In, and that is primarily a safety consulting firm. Um, I don't have a lot of day-to-day uh, -day input in that regularly. Uh, I, it's funny that I say that because uh, this over the next two months, I'm actually... Uh, working on projects actively, but normally it's a, it's a passive thing for me. I have very smart people who know way more about safety than I do. And I just say, Hey, this is the project go and do. Um, and then uh, obviously I have my acting and my performing that I do. I'm a public speaker. And so my performance has really taken me from acting in film and television to this new aspect of stage where I speak um, you know, a lot of times I'm promoting the book, the power to speak naked. That's usually what I speak on. And then, uh, then I do my hobbies, right? I, again, I'm a father and a husband, so I'm taking care of my daughter and, and making sure that, uh, my wife is supported in everything that she does. And then, uh, yeah, it's a day to day, honestly changes. And then I got to fit in my hockey. I got to get in my hockey. If I don't play hockey, I go crazy, get a little squirrely, get a little nutty. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. I got you. Well, that's real cool, man. So tell us a little bit about Total Buy-In and then we'll jump into the book. Well, so Total Buy-In uh, really started as a pivot with my career. I am when, so I performed from very young age. I was a child performer starting at six years old and I had um, essentially retired at 25 after 20 years of, of working in the business. And I went and got an engineering discipline and started my own mapping firm. And that was a, a wonderful thing. I absolutely loved it. It was a passion. Unfortunately, that business collapsed after about three years. And when you're in the geomatics industry and, and deal in geographic information, your primary clients are either oil and gas or the government, both of which insist that you have a safety program. And so I had to get all this safety training in order to put together the safety program and, and administer the safety program. And when the business collapsed, a good friend of mine who works in construction said, I need a safety officer. And all the training that you have is very close to having a designation as a national construction safety officer or NCSO. He said, if I pay for you to upgrade, you know, you need to take these three day long classes. If, if you upgrade um, to an NCSO, uh, you'd be able to work for me. Would that be something that you're interested in? I was lost at the time because all my whole world had just collapsed. All of the money that I'd put in and, and you know, um, my mapping company was going to be my 20 year plan, right? Like that was going to be what I was going to retire with. My uncle had done it very successfully. So I had a business model to follow and everything and a mentor. And, uh, and then when it collapsed, I was, I really did. It felt like my whole world had collapsed. So that was, uh, that was a, a real nice lifeline that my friend sent me and it ended up, I'm really good at it. So I understand a lot of safety, not because I'm a good safety professional, but actually what I learned in film and television. So my time in film and TV, particularly the little bit of time that I did doing stunt work actually showed me 
everything that I needed to know about safety. So over the last, I guess, 12 years now that the company has been going, or that I've been a safety professional anyways, um, this has just kind of evolved. So I worked for my buddy for a little bit, and that was only ever going to be like a, a year-long project. And when that finished, I started up Total Buy-in as a consulting agency. And I, it originally was just me. And, you know, I did safety training and audits and built safety programs. And then as it evolved, um, the safety training really became the key focus and specifically training people how to communicate safety effectively, which then led into creating the power to speak naked, which was originally titled basic instructional technique, because if you tell people that they're going to be going to a course for public speaking, they never show up. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's terrified of doing it, particularly who our target audience was managers and supervisors who had been put into a leadership role, but weren't necessarily trained or ready or comfortable for it. They were leaders because they were good at their skill set and therefore had advanced based on a skill set, a, a very practical um, trade skill set, but they didn't have the soft skills necessarily to be an effective leader. Uh, they just really knew what they were doing technically. And so giving them that opportunity to learn some of those soft skills, particularly public speaking and presenting and being able to guide and lead uh, a workforce is what basic instructional technique started out as. And then it became public speaking for construction supervisors, which then became public speaking for upper and uh, management, which then became just public speaking period. It didn't have, it didn't have to do with construction. It just was general public speaking. And then from that, the book developed and so on and so forth. I gotcha. So curious, I, I just love business and I love learning about businesses because as I've been like emerging into it, I'm like, all businesses are kind of function the same a little bit, but every now and then you find a really niche business. And this sounds like one of them. And so what does your uh, client prospecting look like? Your marketing look like? You're not doing Facebook ads, are you? God, no. No. <laughs> um, so interestingly enough, with uh, the work that I do, I am associated there. It, in the district that I work, there is a thing called CORE, Certificate of Recognition, which is funny because there's also, if you ever look on a soda can, there's a little thing that says CORE and yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a bottling and, and food processing things. So it's, it's not that this is a certificate of recognition, which is a program that uh, rewards companies for having developed a safety program to a, a certifiable standard an auditable standard. So it's ba uh, very few people will get this reference, but it's based off of ISO 45,001, which is the international standards organization. And 45,001 is the safety component. So if you're building oh, a safety program course. internationally, <laughs> right? Internationally, it would be referred to as ISO. Here in my local district in uh, my province in Canada, it's called CORE, Certificate of Recognition, is based off of the ISO standard. So when you uh, become an auditor, you are working with a certifying partner, and they are basically they oversee their industry. So we have a construction certifying partner, we have an oil and gas certifying partner, we have a general certifying partner, there's actually two of them, we have a forestry one, manufacturing one, various disciplines have these certifying partners. I happen to audit for five of the certifying partners. And so I am on their list of approved auditors to audit your safety program. So I actually don't have to do any marketing, particularly with some of my more smaller certifying partners, because I am one of maybe 20 auditors. And so they just phone and they're like, can you do this audit? And you go, yeah. 
yes, I can or can't. And then from that, there's kind of word of mouth generation. You know, this auditor was really good. They really understood the, the gaps in our program. And then afterwards we consulted with them. The, the only hitch is if you have built somebody's program, you can't audit the program because then you're auditing your own work and it's a conflict of interest. But once you've audited a program, you can consult on it in helping them make it better. Uh, you just then can't do the audit again. So it's kind of this self-feeding um, entity where you know you start to develop relationships within the industries. So if you're auditing the program, you can't consult for it, but you maybe recommend somebody else who would be a really good consultant with it and vice versa. If I haven't audited a program, but somebody else is auditing the program, they know my reputation and they can uh, refer me. So it's, it's this, and then obviously word of mouth within the clients. If you do a really good job, your clients then brag to all of their other business associates and they go, Hey, yeah. bring Tyler in total buy-in does a really good job. And so I don't, I yes, I certainly don't do any advertising on Facebook. I, I post occasionally on LinkedIn, some safety information and, you know, Hey, this is a thing. Sometimes we get some traction that way, but I really don't use social platforms. Most of my referral comes internally from the certifying partners. And, and that makes it nice because then I don't have to be uh, putting out any kind of marketing or advertising budget. Um, it just, it, it, it's not sustainable in my opinion, especially because yeah. it's such a niche thing. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Mm, that is really, really cool. And then you can get those contracts and basically outsource it to other safety professionals that you have either working with you or are partners in some extent. Exactly what I do. So the nice thing is, is again, it's a small industry and um, I have a good reputation, but I also have a lot of other balls in the air and, and various entities that I'm involved with. And so I, that's exactly what I do. I've built it up to a point where I am kind of a default go-to. People will phone me and and I have really good bids and a good reputation. I'm definitely not the most um, uh, economically friendly bid <laughs> because yeah. I know what my worth is and I know uh, the quality that we put out. But I, I am at this point just a figurehead within the business. I am the director of Total Buy-In, uh, managing director, but director nonetheless. And I have a really good staff in place where I pop my head in once a quarter and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? And they're like this, 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 and this, and now we don't need you go away. <laughs> I go, okay, perfect. Except for this quarter when they were like, yeah, we, a uh, couple of the auditors that we normally work have uh, had their license elapse or they're no longer auditing. They've, they've moved on, they've done other things. And so we're short on a couple of contracts. Can you come in and do the audits? And I go, Oh yeah, no, that'd be fun. Uh, only I've agreed to it at the worst possible time because I'm I'm speaking for a couple of trade associations this month. I have the LA Times International Book Festival that I'm uh, showcasing at. I have uh, the show is going up in yeah. a week and a half, and I have three audits on the go. I am I don't sleep. I haven't slept in days. It's been I got you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to I want to move on to the book. Just one last question though before. Your timeline, and so you look like you're 28, yeah, but your timeline puts you older than 28. Significantly. <laughs> curious how old you are. If uh, you I, I was born in the 70s and will celebrate my 44th birthday in three months. There we go. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Well, you look real good. 
Before. But thank you. I moisturize and drink a lot of water. <laughs> <laughs> and and am blessed with uh, with really good genetics. My father uh, looked really young uh, his, until he passed. And uh, my mother, uh, it, just actually when she remarried a few years ago, she looked younger in her new wedding photos, untouched, than she did when she married my dad. And that, that's about a 30-year gap in between that almost yeah 33 year gap so uh i'm just i'm lucky i thank my mother every day um for really good skin and and a beautiful beauty routine <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely well awesome man tell us a little bit more about your motivation what gets you up and keeps you going every day oh definitely my family i mean i see my daughter every day she's been an inspiration um I can't even remember what I was. I've always been highly motivated. You know, I've never, I've never had to um, find a reason to get up and go. Um, I've always kind of been a, a self-starter and self-initiated. I, I even, even in high school, I was taking um, correspondence classes when before the internet was even going because I am that old. Um, and uh, I saw like, uh, and that's one of those things where you really have to. It's real easy to put off work um so for me uh i don't know i've always had an internal drive if there's a thing that i want to do i do it and i get it done but i know now you know for the last seven years uh seeing my daughter and and re getting to re-experience the world through her eyes like i it's hard to recall what childhood was like when you're removed from it for 35 years and then to be able to see it and be like, oh, yeah, no, I remember that. And I remember being curious about that. And I remember being inquisitive that way. And then and my daughter is phenomenally talented. And I know most parents say that, but like she is way more talented than I am. She Her first commercial was at 11 months old. And she's been doing film and TV since. Um, I, I have artwork of hers that's up on the wall here. And, you know, at seven, she's doing uh, acrylic and oil paintings. Oh, and wow. really good ones too. Like I, I don't know what my daughter's going to be when she grows up. Uh, and I, I'm going to let her explore, but right now artist looks like it's in the cards and we <laughs> want to keep encouraging that. So I, I just, I'm, I'm constantly motivated by her because the other thing is too, in order to encourage that we have her in a, a very specialized private school that, Frankly, my wife and I can't actually afford. <laughs> so <laughs> there, there is a constant motivation to be like, okay, so how are we going to make tuition this year? You know, and and the nice thing is, is Ken Kenzie contributes to her own education because she is acting and performing. So when she does a job, twenty five percent of her uh, of her paycheck goes directly to paying for her current education, and then seventy five percent gets put away in trust to uh, pay for her future education. So that that is always a bit of a help. And then, you know, I have the ability to kind of generate income at will. And my wife is a very accomplished uh, project manager and works for one of the largest home builders in my province. So she, she has a healthy wage that is steady. And then I have the ability to augment that at, at ad hoc, you know, we go out, we get a project, if I need more, then I hustle more, find more projects, get more uh, staff on uh, that we subcontract out, or I go and sell books, or I go and sell courses, or I go and do a speaking engagement. Like I have the ability to flex mine, and then I'm still performing, 
So sometimes yeah. I get some acting work and that all of my acting work just goes to pay for my daughter's education. And, uh, but it's, it's, it's a really nice, um, and frankly, it's a great situation to be in to have a reason to need to hustle a little bit, um, and drive forward, but also have the freedom and flexibility that if I have a, a slow month, we have a safety net in, in my wife's occupation. Yeah. I love it. Sounds like the ideal setup for sure. Well, cool, man. Tell us about your dreams and goals, vision for the book. Tell us about the book and your vision for it. Well, the book actually started as a, as the course. And, um, I have, I have loved public speaking since I was probably 10 years old and didn't realize that it could be a profession until I was about, uh, 34, 35, when I was first asked to present a keynote. And the first time I was asked to present a keynote, I didn't even know what a keynote was. I had to search it. I was like, I don't know what this, what is a keynote? Is that like a, is that a, a post-it note with a, with a lock on it? Like, what is this keynote? I don't understand. But uh, I, when I finally realized that you could make like a month's wage in 45 minutes, I was hooked. I'm like, how do I do this? How do I make this the thing? You know, because even acting, acting is great um, when you get a, a gig, but, you know, you might, particularly for me as a day player, you know, I go on, I might do one scene, have a couple of lines. You might make two or three grand for the day. It sounds good, but when you're only booking one or two or three shows a year, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, it's, it, you're, you're not making bank the way that most people I think think you are. So it's good, yeah. fun money. It's nice bonus money. But to know that you can go up and make five figures in 45 minutes, that motivates me because you do that because it's not improbable or impossible to do 12 of those a year. Well, you do 12, you know, low 10 figure um, or five figure engagements. That's $120,000 minimum yeah. that you can make in a year. And that's not, and it's not difficult if you do it. So what started as me training people just how to feel comfortable public speaking, which is what the book is about, has been uh, now a career for me to go and speak to people about public speaking and how to overcome the fear of it and how to uh, communicate effectively, communicate with confidence and really win over your audience. And so that has become um, the main push and the thrust behind the book. The goal for it now is to get it in the hands of at least, at least 25,000 people. I want to be on the New York Times and the Wall Street uh, Journal bestseller list, preferably number one. The book has already gone number one on Amazon a couple of times, which is nice. But uh, now my ego's gotten involved. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, hey, you know what would really sound good? Tyler Foley. New York Times best-selling author, and that that is now the the focus and the push, including me being uh, going down to the LA Times International Book Festival to get to showcase the book there and speak about it on a platform where 150,000 people attend over the weekend. That is going to be fun because I I have uh, two different showcases for it that uh, over the weekend. So that's going to be uh, you know kind of that impetus and that push. I would love to be on Good Morning America. And speaking to a, a massive audience about how simple it can be, because it's right. It's, it's theoretically the number one fear 
or actually it's it, the second highest fear, but uh, higher than death when polled. You know, you have 70% of people polled express anxiety around public speaking. And the funny thing is they're wrong. They're not afraid of public speaking. And I can prove it very simply. Are you ready for this? Hit me with it. If anybody who's listening to this right now is thinking to themselves, no, 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 you don't understand. I am terrified, terrified of public speaking. I will ask that person who thinks that right now, have you ever gone to a restaurant and ordered food? Because if you went to a restaurant and ordered food and had that food delivered to you by a wait staff that you didn't know, not only are you not afraid to speak in public, you are not afraid to speak to strangers and you're not afraid to ask for what you want. It's the context around that that is the fear. Because I can already hear the objection. No, 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 Tyler. If I'm ordering in a restaurant, people aren't looking at me and the wait staff isn't judging me. They're not there to, to pick apart my order although they do by the way just so you know they do um and you you did ask for what you want and you got it so really when you are starting to give objections where people aren't looking at me the waiter isn't judging what i'm saying then what your real fear is is not speaking in public your fear is the fear of public judgment and that is easy to overcome that is something that I can work on. Somebody who is genuinely afear, uh, afraid of public speaking. And I have met two of those individuals in my lifetime. Lifetime. But I have met people who genuinely had a fear of public speaking. But those people did not go out in public. So not only uh, were, did they have this fear of public speaking, but they had symptoms of agoraphobia as well. Like they just, public interactions were taboo. So they, they genuinely were afraid of public speaking. But the most of us, if, if 70% of Americans polled were genuinely afraid of public speaking, commerce as we know it would collapse because you'd never go to the grocery store. You'd never go to a restaurant. You'd never go to the bank. You'd never go to the doctor or lawyer. You just, you wouldn't go. You wouldn't go to businesses. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't go to a store and, and get clothes. Any of those interactions are speaking in public. And so if you can highlight those, and show people that, then you can start to make progress. And that's, that's really the whole point of the book is showing people that what they've been telling themselves for years is just a story. And that the reality is they are not afraid of public speaking. They're afraid of public judgment and they shouldn't be because if they've been given the opportunity to speak in public, they are the authority. We don't ask second best to speak. And so it's, it's taking that mindset shift and showing people what the reality is versus what the perception was and moving them past this mental blockage so that they can overcome this really unnecessary fear. I gotcha. I like that a lot. I like the specifically how you overcame the objection of the context. And even when you dive into that context a little bit, you said that the waiters are judging you. And then, you oh, know, they are. Yeah, for sure they are. But somebody could come back and say, yeah, but it's their job. Like they showed up specifically to take my order. And what's interesting about that is people showed up at the event specifically to hear you speak, you know? Yes. Like it's the same context. It's exactly the same. Only the difference is the, the waiter will judge you and be like, you shouldn't have paired that wine with that steak, but way to go, noob, right? Yeah. Where somebody who shows up in uh, an auditorium or even... Let's, let's go into the most mundane. 
somebody who has has to mandatorily attend uh, a business meeting because your boss has told you to, and then your boss has told you that you needed to present. At worst, those people who are mandatorily told to come to the boardroom to see your presentation are passively indifferent to your message. They're not against it. They're not judging you negatively. If anything, they are hoping that you succeed because otherwise it's a waste of their time. And if they really didn't want to be there, they would find an excuse, especially now because I'm <coughs> not feeling very good and I should probably not not come to the meeting today. That yeah. would be That would be bad. And I'm just not going to show up. And that's exactly what we do. We as human beings are remarkably selfish. So if I am in a room, I am there hoping that it will be good. So your audience is on your side innately. And I, we can prove this right here and right now, Timmy. Are you ready? Hit me with it. Anybody who's listening right now, did you show up to the show hoping that Tim and I had a horrible conversation. Were you thinking to yourself, man, I hope this Tyler Foley guy sucks. I hope he brings no value to this conversation. I hope his examples land flat. And I hope that nothing he says adds value. If those were your thoughts, first of all, why did you tune into this show? And how have you made it this far? And secondly, recognize that that was not what your attitude was coming into it. You came to this hoping that you would be at minimum entertained, hopefully informed and come away better than how you showed up. And that's what, why we always show up or we wouldn't show up, right? We would find some other place to be. So those people who come to the auditorium, those people who come to the boardroom, those people who come to your presentation or the theater, they all want you to succeed. They are on your side and you wouldn't have that opportunity to speak. People wouldn't show up if you weren't the authority. Again, back to that scenario where you have been voluntold by your employer that you have to give Q3 sales statistics rundown and everyone else has been told that they have to come and listen to you speak about it. Your employer chose you because you were the best to present. We don't ask second best. We ask the best. So if you've been asked, you are the best. You are the most informed. Nobody else knows more than you or nobody else can bring the perspective that you can. So you are the authority and the audience is on your side. Therefore, there's no need to fear their judgment. There we go. I love it. Well, Tyler, so we got two dreams and goals for you right now. We got about the book, being able to train people on how to overcome the fear of public speaking. We're getting that book into the hands of 25,000 people. And then you want to be on Good Morning America speaking about how simple it can be to actually do public speaking. Any other dreams or goals that you want to add to that? Oh, yeah, I've got tons. Well, I would love, I'm going to be recording the audiobook for The Power to Speak Naked. It's actually a thing that we were supposed to do last year. And then the studio that I was going to be recording at had a COVID issue and we couldn't record. Uh, it's very hard to record if you are sick uh, and you don't want to get sick from other people. So we didn't get that audiobook recorded, but I would love when uh, it is finally released, because we have managed to get into, we've got the recording going now. It just needs to get out and, and published and released. I would love for the audiobook. Again, this is a total ego play. This is just purely for ego at this point. Um, I Because you can nominate 
uh, spoken word for a Grammy, I want to join Stephen Colbert and be a Grammy nominated and hopefully Grammy award winning author of the power to speak naked. I just, I want to win a Grammy. I, I, I don't, I, you know, I, a golden globe and an Oscar are, are probably outside of my realm. Again, as a day player, people didn't, I was a performer, I'm an actor, but nobody knew my name from acting. Uh, when we started this episode and very likely given the way that I perform, uh, they probably won't uh, into the future. So Golden Globes, Oscars, probably not in my future. I do love to sing, but I am no Marin Ord. So uh, Grammy for, you know, vocal performance in the singing variety, probably not in my cards either. But spoken word, if I bring this enthusiasm to my recording, which I did, and enough people in the academy decide, yeah, it wasn't too bad. And it's a it's a, a a light year when it comes to audio books. Maybe I can become the Grammy Award winning <laughs> author of The Power to Speak Naked for Spoken Word. And uh, that would just tickle me. <laughs> Absolutely. There, do you have to like submit it to them or do they just pick it up because it's a well marketed uh, book? Uh, so you have to be nominated by a member. Mm. of the recording um uh, academy uh, and as luck would have it i know two members so all they have to do is nominate you and then it becomes a pr uh, thing at that point then you have to canvas all the other members and be like and have them just vote because it's just a vote it's a vote amongst the membership very similar to uh the oscars um where the the uh, motion picture academy and the members vote internally amongst themselves, and then it gets tabulated, and whoever has the most votes wins. Yeah. So, you know, the, the key is to get that nomination, because once you get the nomination, then you can hire firms to press the point for you. And when you're this charming, and you have such an engaging title and cover art, <laughs> well, I don't see why I can't. I, I just need the nomination. And so, you know, once we get it out there, once it's released, I have every intention of knocking down the doors of my friends who are with the Academy and uh, uh, begging them <laughs> to please, please, please put forward my name as a nomination and I will do anything in return. And then uh, if I can get at least the nomination up, uh, then I can put in the campaign to be one of the final nominees because there's a couple of rounds of it. Do you know those two people well, or is it kind of like a, an acquaintanceship? Um, no, they're high school friends. So, I mean, oh. we, we were close and are still very friendly and, and communicate a few times. A How year. Many they're already aware. They, they know I, I was pressing them three years ago. I was like, Hey, how does that work? And they're like, Oh, it's like this. I'm like, great. So you could do that. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, good. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how many because people if, are on that, uh, on the board? I have no idea, but it's in the, it's in the thousands, if not oh. tens of thousands. So it's I thought like, it was like seven people or something like that. Oh no, wouldn't that be great? No, that'd be <laughs> in for sure. I'd be yeah. like, no, no, no. That that that's some easy wheels to grease there. No, there's there's like because anybody who is a recording artist, uh, I I believe has the ability to be a member. Um, and then anyone who's in the the on the business side, of like a record executive or whatever, they all have a a, a say in it too. So, um, it, there's you know it's if it's not in the high like 
eight thousands. It's it's definitely into the tens of thousands of like twelve or fifteen thousand. There's a lot of members. I got you. So one solid relationship can get you nominated, but that's definitely not going to get you the, the award. Yeah, no. So what happens is there's that initial nomination round where anybody can nominate any work that they want to. And so they'll, they might get three or 4,000 submissions, but then that's when that PR campaign starts. So how do you whittle down to the, to the be a finalist? And then once you get declared as a finalist, like the five or seven in the category, then it becomes, then you have to really push to get the vote because they will send out, right. I think, um, I think Ernst and Young did it for years and years and years. I don't know if they're still the official accountant for it, but they, they hire an accounting firm and then they send out ballots with the names. It's similar to a, an election. And, you know, these are all the, these are all the candidates. These are all the nominees uh, by all means, you know, you choose. So you want to be the one who's front and center, right? Cause uh, with both my name and the title of the book, I won't be alphabetically, the the first selection on the ballot so i need people to be like the power to speak naked that sounds interesting or actually have listened to the book which would be super cool as well it should be epic yeah i got you well cool man any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about uh no just making sure that uh, my daughter gets to do the best that she can every day uh that's the whole reason i want half of this stuff like honestly the ego play stuff I, you know, would it be fun to be able to like put a sticker on the front of the book that had New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestseller? Yes. Would it be fun to have it as a Grammy award winning uh, book? Cool. But all of that is really just to facilitate that PR engine where I can go out and speak and earn higher uh, dollar amounts for my presentations. And not because I want to be rich or famous, but because I really want to see my daughter have every opportunity to succeed. And as we all know, one of the best things to help as far as a resource goes <laughs> is money. Yeah. Um, we're doing our best to make sure that she's surrounded in a very supportive community with her school. You know, her teachers are invested in her, her um, peers are invested in her, uh, her social structure is one that um, promotes and enhances her creativity. So we're giving her that opportunity, but the school costs money. And then some of the other things, like one of the reasons why I really uh, have felt like I've lived a blessed life is I've been able to travel with my work and see various cultures and, and countries and experience literally the world and realize just how connected and close we actually are. And I think that's important for her. I want her to be able to travel with me. So the bigger dollar amounts, I don't care how much I get paid as long as I have the opportunities to showcase my work and bring my family with me. Yeah. Because as I set off at the, uh, at the beginning of, of the interview, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a son, I'm an author, but I'm also a seeker of warm beaches and a lover of fine chocolate. And some of the best ones to find are not on North American shores. So let's get off and, and to find those warm beaches and that the good chocolate to go with it. And speaking is actually one of the great ways for me to be able to. So I would love, you know, another goal, I would love to be on a stage with Tony Robbins and be invited onto his stage, like a Robbins research one. I had the privilege in May of last year 
to be invited to a power of success event and, and present there. Unfortunately, um, they, we had a technical glitch on the morning of it and it set the, um, set it behind by 45 minutes. And so my talk got cut to get us back on, on track. So I was on the marquee to speak on a stage that Tony Robbins was presenting on, but I never, I, and I've been backstage with him uh, a couple of times uh, with the different events um, either that I've been helping out at or that I've been attending. Um, But I would love to be having such an impact in what I am doing that somebody of the ilk of Tony Robbins reaches out to me and says, we love what you're doing. We've been following you for a while. Your messaging is on par. We would love for you to come and teach our audience. Cause ultimately that's all I want to do. I just want to be able to facilitate this conversation so that people understand that they can do this thing, that, th- that this limiting belief, particularly around public speaking, because it's one of the, the, most sought after soft skills. It's the thing that separates people in a leadership position and people who are not it. And it has an impact on earning potential. It has an impact on just your, your life in general, this ability to, to public speak. And it's an easy thing to do. It is, it is teachable. It is learnable. And 70% of people in the world apparently struggle with it, which I think is an absolute shame. So if you really want to talk about living the dream, we want to live the dream. And you, whatever your dream is, some segment of that has to do with public speaking. I promise you, you won't achieve any of these dreams if you haven't mastered this one skill set. And so I, that, you know, that is a big, a high level goal for me too, to be invited onto some of those bigger stages. Yeah. I love it. Invited onto a bigger stage with somebody that is of the caliber of Tony Robbins. Yeah. If not Tony stage, like, and then the nice thing is, is like I said, I've, I've had the opportunity to stand on those stages, but I would love to, you know, be with the big man himself and not just in the photo line backstage. Yeah. Right. To be up on stage with him and him say, Tyler is this, or, you know, even uh, same vein, you know, I've, I've spoken on stage with Les Brown, you know, so I've been introduced by Les Brown and that's, that was cool. Yeah. That's epic. Oh yeah, no. And he's, he's a phenomenal human being. And I love less with, uh, with all my heart and he, what he's contributed. And that's the thing I would love to be able to contribute in, in a manner that he has leave a legacy like that, where people, when you drop the name go, Oh yeah, no. And what phenomenal gifts he gives. Like, cause that's the thing less is constantly given. And I want to be of that. I want people to come and really learn and be like, I, if they ever come to one of my workshops or my seminars, I don't want them to just get their money's worth. Yeah. I want them to be able to get their money back. And then some like there needs to be a path to forward. Why did you come here? There, There needs to be not just an ROI. I can't, I don't want people to be just satisfied, you know? Oh yeah, no, that was good. That was worth the money I spent. No, no, no. You come when you have a clear definitive path on how, if you give me this sum, you're going to get it back. And then, you know, five times at 10 times at 20 times at whatever that happens to be. Cause I don't, otherwise I have, I don't, I won't feel that I have given because I want to make sure that I leave my goal, no matter what I'm presenting and no matter what I've been paid or if I've been paid at all, or if my audience is paid or not, my goal is always leave them better than I found them. Even right down to like acting performances. If it's just fictional, you know, I want people who are coming to see this musical 
who are, you know, tickets are cheap. They're like 30 bucks. You know, you want to come? I want them to feel moved. Mm -hmm. I want them to walk away changed for what they have seen. That investment has paid off always. And that's been my goal uh, for a very long time. Yeah. I love it. Well, cool, man. What are the top one to two skills that you need to develop to make some of these dreams and goals come true? So weird. I've always had a really good memory, but I need to work on it even more. I need to uh, continue to rapidly digest uh, information. And one of the other things that I'm starting to work on is other languages. Um, so I'm learning Norwegian and I'm learning French. I'm Canadian. So French is, is like, I should know French, but I grew up in Western Canada. So like we are very separated from Quebec yeah. and I don't like that. You know, there's certain ilk over here who are like, yeah, yeah, I know leave Quebec to be Quebec. And I'm like, no, we are a one nation. We are a bilingual nation. I should therefore be a bilingual person. And I would like to be able to present in my own country in a language, uh, an official language of my audience's choosing. And so I think it's important for me to learn and be conversationally French. Um, Norwegian is because that's, you know, my heritage background. And uh, my mom, my all my mom's side is from Norway. So I would love to go over and connect with my heritage and still be able to present. Why not? If I'm going to be there, that's always my thought too. Well, if I'm going to be going, why don't I see if I can present there? You know, yeah. and so to be able to present in a, in in a language, and I'm uh, learning Malay uh, to be able to speak in in Malaysia as well. So it's a it's a one of the easier um, Asian languages to pick up. So I figure that I'll start there, and then you know maybe work towards Thai or something like that. All right. So working on your memory. Why your memory? Just to be able to apply information to your life readily. It, well, that so it's a, a couple of fold. Um, you know, you look at somebody like Les Brown and Les has like, it, it's unbelievable how almost idyllic his memory is like his ability to pull quotes from all over the place. And I asked him actually backstage once about it. And he was like, well, I make it a goal to learn. Uh, I can't remember if he said one a day or one a week, but he learns a quote, a new quote always. Like he's always learning and reapplying these quotes. And then, so he has this habit of, he'll find a quote that he likes, and then he tries to work it into conversation uh, five times over the course of the day. And I was like, that's, that's brilliant. That's genius. And now he has this ability to do it. And, um, you know, another uh, gentleman that I, I speak with regularly, Bob Cattell, you know, he's known as the memory guy. Uh, and he hit, you know, he had this huge motivational circuit for a while because he would get people up and show them how they could, you know, cause that's one of the other things too. I just don't, I have a bad memory and he helped solve that problem for most people who felt that way. I have always felt that I've had a really good memory again, starting in and theater at six years old and then moving into film and television, particularly my film and television work. They give you your sides, which is the little bit of script that you're going to do usually the day of. You're like, okay, so this is the new stuff I need to memorize. And sometimes it's three, four, five pages long. And you're having to do scenes and you don't want to be the person to hold up that production. And then now with my work um, presenting, particularly because I tailor all of my talks to my clients. So if I'm presenting to the Ag Society this week, or if I'm presenting to um, someone else the next week, right? Uh, I'm going to tailor my talk. I'm going to tailor my presentation, but I want to know what their input needs to be. And so to be able to 
memorize and retain that stuff. Even though I feel that I have a good memory, I know that it could get better. And particularly now, because I'm facilitating these uh, instructional courses, to be able to remember people's names without having to look at their name tag, I think is, is important to be able to, to memorize a face so that when I see you, you know, three or four months from now, I can be like, Hey, that's Timmy. Yeah. Hey man, what's going on? You know? And, and to be able to uh, have context and association that way and, and to have that recall. So I think that particularly given the nature of my business and what I'm trying to accomplish and how, where I want to be, I think uh, an increased cognitive recall is important. So working on my memory skills is, is one of those things. There we go. Well, what are the highest impact daily actions that you can take to tick the needle forward towards these dreams and goals? Oh, that's easy. I, I mean, I work, I have a, a, a memory app that I use every morning and every uh, night. And it, the nice thing is it has metrics. So it, it'll, it does this really cool thing where it shows you these patterns in the morning and you memorize the pattern and then you walk away. And then before you go to bed at night, it brings it up again. And can you recall that pattern? How fast can you recall it? To what degree can you call it? Uh, do you do it to the 10th iteration, the 11th, 12th, 20th, 21st? 30th, like how many of these sequences can you uh, memorize? It's really fun that way. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm training my brain that way and making a conscious effort, particularly face name recognition. I was on 350 podcasts over the last 18 months. So how many of my hosts can I look at and go, yep, no, I know you, I know. And the nice thing is, is I, I know a few Mr. Douglases now. I've been on a few uh, Mr. Douglas podcasts. Uh, but I will know that, you know, Timmy Douglas is this and, um, you know, that's living the dream and, and, you know, have context around the conversation. Yeah. 350 podcasts in the past 18 months, 300 over 350. I'm actually coming up. You will be my, hold on. Ready? Let's not lie and see. And if I had the memory, I wouldn't have to check the spreadsheet. I would just know you <laughs> are, uh, 392. So I am eight away. I thought actually you would be 393, but the one that I was supposed to record today just before you was actually just the, the pre-meet. And I thought it was the recording. Uh, I got uh, so now that's bumped down. So you are 392 and they are going to be 400 and something. But over the last uh, 12 to 18 months, over 350 podcasts, um, it's basically one to two a day. Dude, that's epic. Yeah. <laughs> that's epic my um, seo is through the roof <laughs> i bet <laughs> what character trait do you most need to develop right now to make your dream life come true i don't know that i need to develop uh, any character trait yep. i think i just need to enhance who i am be aware i think it's 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 weird because i'm in this uh weird place where i need to have a well-established and healthy ego but i can't be inflated Mm -hmm. And to find the balance of humility um, within what I'm doing and just be, be human. I need to maintain my humanity, um, but I've always been able to do that. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not somebody who is shy of my skills, but I also know where my area for improvements are and maintaining, maintaining that awareness, I think is really what I need to do. But frankly, to, to achieve the goals that I need to do, I just need to uh, be consistent and persevere. Yeah. 
there we go. And if there were one or two people you can meet right now, it could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take that next step towards these dreams and goals. Who would they be and how would they help you? Well, I don't. So I, the one I don't know that they would help directly, but I just want to meet them. So it'd be That's fine. Fair. And that would that <laughs> Dave Grohl. I want I, I want nothing more than to sit backstage with Dave Grohl and just hang, just hang, pick his brain. I would it, ideally, if I could have like a day where Dave and I just hung out at a beach, maybe surfed a little, played some drums, ate some really good food. Uh, that would be that would be ideal, and I would just pick his brains around creativity and perseverance and and overcoming adversity. Like I mean, that man has had a lot of tragedy in his life, mm-hmm. and I don't know him, but what I see of him in in the the public eye, anyway, he he has every reason to be one of the most miserable and pessimistic people on the planet, and yet he's the exact opposite. Yeah, and um, honestly, I would just. I'd love to see the man and just give him a hug and say, I'm sorry about Taylor. You know, never mind Kurt. Kurt, I think he's managed to get over, but the loss of Taylor Hawkins is, is probably still fresh. So I would I would love to meet him just to just to just to learn, just to, to absorb in the aura. And then we I mentioned him about a thousand times. If I could actually be on the inner circle uh with uh Mr. Anthony Robbins, um or even attend his birthday on, on a leap year where he actually gets to celebrate his birthday. That'd be kind of fun. Um, was he born I, on I, February 29th? Yes, he was. Of course he was. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes he was. So that, that's nice though for Tony, because it means I think he had his, his 15th or 16th birthday. Uh-huh. Two years ago. Yeah. that's. So, uh... I mean, he looks good for 16. <laughs> um, but no, I, you know, and the funny thing is, is I don't, I wouldn't want to meet any of those people with the express uh, purpose of how they can help me. I, I would want to be, a, I would want to be of service to them first. Like yeah. it, is, is what I'm doing something that would help you? Is this something that would more specifically help your audience? Can, can we find a way that, um, that we find a joint venture that benefits all of us uh, that would kind of want to, I would want to go in with that kind of mindset and that approach, as opposed to what they can do to, to help me. I'd want to know how we can all help each other. I feel that that's a, I mean, that's a great way to approach these relationships, right? Value add value overflow is kind of the vibe you want to be going for. Curious if you've ever had this thought. <laughs> so in modern society, we live a really kind of abundant life, you know, in first world countries, like a lot of us just in the middle class or living like kings and queens used to live. And so have you ever looked at a business and like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or even Tony Robbins? And when you talk about somebody's audience, it's kind of like their own little kingdom in a sense, you know, and it's like they have so much authority over that audience and they did so much to build it. And now it's like, how can our, uh, like, how can our kingdoms come together? Literally, that's, that's like what the question is. Yeah, it's funny to me because I was reading the Forty Eight Laws of Power and how he was discussing um, how kings and queens would interact. I'm like, it's a lot of how businesses interact now. Just there's a, it's a bit more mm, corporate esque. Like it's not wars and stuff. It's more like. Well, the funny thing is, is that I mean, they're they're they are wars. They're just not fought with armament. Yeah. You know, so you have a lot of 
peace treaty negotiation on shared fronts where I'm not going to invade yours and you don't invade mine. And then you have a lot of let's come together because we need to overcome or conquer this yep. entity here and, and bring an end to that. Um, and then you, you have, you have kingdoms who uh, have uh, uh, reigned royalty that have, have lost the plot. You know, I, yeah. I, I love blockbuster, right? Nothing can touch us. Nothing can touch us. <laughs> Who is this Netflix? Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. We, we've been around longer. We are an established fiefdom and, uh, and then they go. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not recognizing the weaknesses in your own fortification. And so, no, I do, I do think that, you know, right now, modern industry and, uh, business and, uh, corporations are, are our closest thing to royalty because most monarchs are collapsing and, and most monarchs are their own business unto themselves too. Fact. You know, you, you look at the, the, um, the British royalty I mean, they are, they have their own PR for a reason. Like there's a reason they have PR because they're a business yeah. They're And right now they're a business of, of trying to make, maintain and keep relevancy in an increasing lack of it yeah for sure i just thought that was interesting i've been having that thought recently wanted to share it yeah. it seemed like you would vibe with it a little bit so i just put it up. oh yeah no if i could you know marry off my daughter to one of tony's grandsons i would do it in a heartbeat <laughs> here's the dowry that comes with her sir let's merge our kingdoms <laughs> Oh, that was epic. Well, awesome, Tyler. That's all we got for you, man. We usually have a couple more questions, but we're running close to that hour. So is there anything else that you want to chat about before we sign off? No, I just, you know, thank you so much for having me on. I, I really do appreciate the opportunity to come and, and chat. And uh, the only thing that I would encourage your audience to do is if they're enjoying what you do, um, you know, you're listening and you got to the end of this, which means you're absorbing this content. So if you haven't done so already, if you could do me a favor and hit pause and uh, give Timmy a five-star review, you know, say why you like it, be specific. Don't just be like, yeah, here's the five stars and click. There's a, there's that little comment section down below and it's not just there for ornamentation. Like use that. What is a specific episode that you've listened to? Or just generally, do you like the vibe? What is it about this podcast that you like and and please 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 be specific with it so if you could do me that favor i would appreciate it tyler i appreciate that man uh, yeah the uh it helps us out a lot <laughs> if you guys are out there listening well cool tyler thanks for coming on the show no and thank you for having me we'll talk to you soon yeah where's the best way for people to reach you before we sign off well i'll tell you what if they are willing your audience is willing to give you the five-star review. And now this is contingent on that. Okay. So if you're listening to living the dream right now and you're like, Oh, he's about to offer me a thing. I can go and I can find Tyler's information. You can, but Tim's going to put it in the, in the show notes, right? So you're going to be able to scroll down, but as you scroll down, you're going to see your little five stars. You're going to see your comment. So before you get to my stuff, there's a little bit there for Timmy. Let's somebody please think about Timmy right now. Okay. <laughs> We want you to give that five-star review. If you're willing to give a five-star review, then if you find in the show notes, you can come to my website, which is seantylerfoley.com. Sean is spelled the proper Irish way, S-E-A-N-T-Y-L-E-R-F-O-L-E-Y.com. Tell them Tyler sent you. 
Um, and right above the fold, first thing that you'll see is an offer to join my private Facebook group called Endless Stages. And I go live every Tuesday for 20 minutes at noon Pacific, three Eastern time and give a live training uh, for whatever happens to be the hot topic of the week. And I pull that from our group conversations. So the more active you are in the group, the more likely you are to be, um, have your questions answered. And uh, on top of that, when you join Endless Stages, we give you a free PDF download of my book, The Power to Speak Naked. So you don't have to spend the $17.95 to get the book in a bookstore. You can just get the PDF for free. I'm also going to give you access to my Drop the Mic uh, speaker training program, which is a self-paced um, seven-module online learning course. Each module is under five minutes. So in a week and less than 35 minutes of your time, five minutes a day while you're sipping your coffee or on your way to work, you can... Uh, listen to or watch these training modules and they have very actionable, very quick to implement techniques to make you a better, more confident public speaker. All of that free to your listeners so that they can live the dream, but only they're giving you a five-star review, no five-star review, no free gifts for you. Mm, there we go. Well, awesome. If you guys are listening to this and you loved what Tyler had to say, you loved his vibe. You're looking to get into public speaking because you want to take your career and your life to the next level, make sure to hit Tyler up. You have to give us the five-star review first. That's not coming from my mouth. That's coming from his mouth. But <laughs> hit Tyler up. The link to do so will be down in the show notes. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.